You're listening to the audio portion of Workshop Wednesdays. Workshop Wednesdays is a free live discussion about topics affecting accountants, bookkeepers, and business owners. You can join the ABO group in Facebook to participate live Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Just search for ABBO in Facebook. This podcast is brought to you by SchoolofBookkeeping.com, where you will learn, grow, and build a thriving bookkeeping practice. We have hundreds of lessons with almost every aspect of the industry. Start your free month today at SchoolofBookkeeping.com. Welcome to another Workshop Wednesdays brought to you by SchoolBookkeeping.com, where it's casual conversations for serious workflow. And speaking of casual, look at Rachel. She is just in her casual attire. <laughs> That's so sorry. That's okay. This is this is why we do these things on a on a and as needed. We're fitting this into our busy day, and I appreciate you for being able to squeeze us in. I've I've explained to some people before that I am a dance mom, also, so I'm always on the road driving my daughter to yeah. and from dance. So this is what's going on today. Uh, just on the go. I, my brain is functioning. I promise. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was a dance mom for a while, but you were I, a dance mom. Yeah. 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 I was the schlepper of children to and from until they turned 16. And I was like, okay, this is great. You get to drive yourself. Uh, and then they're like, yeah, I want to quit dance. Oh, you are driving yourself at least once to this. <laughs> Yeah, I can't imagine that my daughter would quit. She's probably one of the most dedicated people I've ever met. But I see the senior girls driving themselves to dance in the parking lot. And I'm like, oh, one day. Someday. Okay. So I appreciate you joining us again, Rachel. Carrie is had another conflict. She does exist. I can let you know that we're not just we're not just hiding Carrie. She should normally be joining us, but she again had a conflict. So we are continuing our our saga of e-commerce fundamentals. We talked uh, initially about just what e-commerce is, and then we talked about the components of e-commerce. And last week we talked about the oh so exciting topic of sales tax when it comes to, to e-commerce. And as equally, I think it's equally on the same plane of complications, as well as things that cause accountants and bookkeepers to run screaming from e-commerce is inventory management. And it really just, it just boils down to managing the quantities, buying and selling of stuff. Rachel, would you, just to put it in a fundamental term, would you say that's a, an accurate assessment or Definitely. would you say there's more to it than that? Yeah. I think that the reason that it, I think quite simply, the reason why people like to stay away from it, it's always in flux. I was just talking about this with one of my clients yesterday. They're always buying stuff and then they're always selling stuff. There's never a day when there's just stuff sitting. It's always moving. Because of that, it's very dynamic. The potential to mess it up is there. So I think people like to stay away from it. And do you think it's from accounting professionals perspective that want to stay away from it? Or is it more of the business owner themselves, like they, they have trouble managing their inventory stock levels or is it more of a, is it sometimes a combination of the two? I think it's a combination of the two. I know that sometimes bookkeepers and accountants don't really want to get involved with that. They really only want to record the accounting piece of it and really just stay away from anything more than that. 
I find that there are some business owners that are really savvy with their inventory. Oftentimes they have a background in that. And so they really have a grasp on warehouse operations and that kind of thing. Other business owners don't know so much about it. And especially e-com sellers might be new to the game and not necessarily have a lot of knowledge about that because now it's anybody can sell stuff online. So I think for those kinds of sellers, there definitely is a learning curve when it comes to knowing what you need to know about inventory. Yeah, yeah. I think when it, and when it comes down to you know, the general concepts of inventory management, we broke it down into prior workshops of just like three major categories. And I'm going to share that in the chat. I think if you, this should take you to the workshop listing. If you are an existing subscriber or member to a school of bookkeeping, you'll be able to access these things. We do have a workshop listing free membership, right? So you can sign up for that and be able to access the, the, the prior workshops as well as our YouTube channel as well. But we have a section about inventory where we did some workshops where we broke it down into three classifications of inventory management from a business perspective, right? So I buy that, I buy some stuff and I sell the same stuff. That is like the easiest form of inventory management. I just buy something yeah. and resell And I usually call those people resellers. Yeah. So I'm reselling a thing, right? Shirts, apparel, those types of things is a, an easy example of that kind of scenario or that, that kind of situation. Then there is the, the junior varsity version of inventory management, which I buy some stuff, I do something to that stuff, and then I sell something else, right? Which could be a combination of some of the stuff that I bought, or maybe I'm making something out of it. Those are where those Etsy shop owners are, are going to come in, where they typically will make some kind of crafty thing, or it's a bundling or a gift basket or some kind of combination of the original stuff that they bought. So that, that's more of a, that adds another complexity to managing the inventory levels because you're turning something into a finished good, which is typically different than what you bought, right? That, that been your experience as, as well in the, in the inventory management of space. Yes. And then what's your third? Oh, the third one is I buy stuff. I put stuff in different places yeah. and I need to know where all of that stuff is at any given time. Yes, so definitely. I would also throw in, and this is still very high level. Am I doing a periodic inventory? Am I doing a perpetual inventory? Mm. Or am I not even really doing inventory? I'm just purchasing things and recognizing cost of goods sold right when I buy. That is for really simple people. Yeah, let's unpack that there. So you have periodic inventory versus per perpetual inventory. Let's talk yeah. a little bit and, and unpack that, those yeah. terms just so that people get a good understanding of the difference between the two. Yeah, and one of the reasons that I really wanted to say this is because with fundamentals and really understanding the basics of this, you run into these differences all of the time, and you really have to understand when you look at a pot potential client's books to see what they're doing. Um, and I'll start with what I said was the simplest of simple. 
this is really for people that don't know much about inventory costing anything at all. For simple businesses where it's totally appropriate to do this. I had one time a client that was like selling, they had like wood or logging stuff, like wood, I don't know, wood supplies or something. And all of their purchase, they just hit cost of goods sold right away. So that, and, and what that means is that we're recognizing that expense on the P&L right away. And the trouble that you could run into is that sometimes you're purchasing a lot of stuff. And so you have a very high cost in that period. And sometimes it can be even more than your revenue. And so you're expensing a lot of stuff and then it could potentially cause a big loss for you. And sometimes the tax implication is, and I'm not a tax accountant at all, but sometimes you're going to get a big loss. And so sometimes it can just be upside down. You don't necessarily want that. And again, it's just a very simple way of doing it. Let's say I'm just selling tennis equipment and I go to the tennis equipment warehouse and I'm just buying a whole bunch of tennis equipment and I'm just expensing it right when I purchase it, but I also have it for sale. That's all that is. I'm not entering something into inventory as an asset, nothing. So that's hitting cost of goods sold right away. And I believe it or not, I see that with a lot of people, even when they shouldn't be doing it. Okay, right. that's number one. Number two is a periodic inventory. And that is when I am buying a whole bunch of materials that I'm putting into inventory, meaning I'm not expensing that cost of goods sold right then. I'm actually purchasing inventory items and I'm placing it into an inventory account, which is an asset on the balance sheet. Okay, so now I've gone to my tennis warehouse and I purchased a whole bunch of tennis wear and supplies and tennis rackets and tennis balls, and that's sitting in an inventory. Okay, so now if I have a tennis shop, or an online store, I'm not, I don't have the resources or the staff or the time to constantly count that inventory and do what's called a perpetual inventory. So I'm going to do a periodic inventory. And what that means is I'm not even going to necessarily keep track of it as I sell it. I'm going to take one count right when I buy it. Usually it's whatever is arrives is what you have. You don't necessarily need to do a count. Then I'm going to at either once a quarter, once a once every maybe six months or once a year, I'm going to take another count and presumably I've bought some more stuff. I've sold a whole bunch more stuff. And then I'm just going to record that difference in that count to cost of goods sold. So that's when I'm recognizing the cost of goods sold. And I'm not really necessarily concerned with knowing what my inventory is after every single sale. Now, then the third one is called a, a perpetual inventory. And that's when we know our inventory after every single sale. And so the, what, what happens with that is we expense that little bit of cost of goods sold that's associated with that one item, which we've preloaded into the software. And so that little bit of cost of goods sold gets recognized with each individual sale. And then my inventory is adjusted with every single sale. So 
every single sale adjusts my inventory, every purchase adjusts my inventory, but I always know what that inventory is because I'm keeping track of that inventory on a perpetual basis, meaning after every sales transaction, I am aware of what my inventory is. And that's not to say you shouldn't go in and still count it because things fall off the back of a truck or things get crushed yep. in the warehouse and there's always breakage. I discount. Yeah. And so <laughs> you're still always still want to count. But but in my experience, there's always differences just because of that. But you still have a general sense of what your mm -hmm. inventory is because you're keeping track of it perpetually in your inventory management software. Counting your calories every day rather than just every at, at the end of every month stepping on the scale and wondering is a good yeah. month or yeah cost, and for um, cost of goods yeah exactly and e-commerce sellers you really want a perpetual inventory why do you think that would be dan yeah so that's that was my question now for an e-commerce what would be best i can imagine especially if you're selling in multiple places if you're a brick and mortar store and you're also selling that stuff online you would want to know where what levels that you have so that you don't sell out of something on any given day. So if an order comes in from the website and then somebody goes to fulfill it and, oh my goodness, I do not have it available to, to sell. Now I've got a, now I've got a customer service issue where now I need to talk to the customer and let them know it's on back order or give them an idea of when that's coming in, all of those things. Would you agree with that? You know, that's, yeah, that sort of thing. definitely. And some marketplaces such as Amazon and Walmart marketplaces have rules and regulations. You can't have out of stocks. Now mm -hmm. you can be, you can have stuff on back order and, and as long as you're communicating it that with that with them, but if it's showing that you have stock and then they purchase it and then it turns out you don't have it, you really have out of stocks, you're violating your agreement with them. So you have to be really yeah. careful about that. So you want to make sure that you have one inventory hub that's accurately counted and tracked perpetually and then that can push out those levels to your various right. marketplaces and platforms and that way it's here all right so now we've determined that for for an e-commerce seller it makes sense to do a perpetual inventory basically knowing the the status of your of your inventory at any given time so then it becomes a matter of where do you manage that right so Where's the inventory at any given time? We would turn that's the best option than for an e-commerce seller. Then, then the big question is determining where are they going to be tracking that perpetual inventory, right? What is going to be their, their source of truth, right? Which we, now that we've determined from before, okay, they've got a sales channel, they've got some bridge between, and they've got their QuickBooks, right? So either end of the spectrum is going to be a place to manage that, right? If you do it on the sales channel, that's where you got to live. That's where, that's where you got to live with those. Does the sales channel or does the, this is a question now to answer, does the sales channel allow for the proper management of your inventory as far as ordering, receiving, calculating costs, those types of things inside of, inside of that package or does it not, right? So then that sort of thing is going to be then now, okay, I need another way uh, to manage that. Maybe it's in my QuickBooks. Now, when we talk about, so let's just talk about that before we, we go into the 
other caveat of maybe introducing another app into this <laughs> equation, but what have you found has been with your clients, the better option, right? So as far as uh, I'm going to track it in, inside QuickBooks, or I'm going to track it inside of my, my sales channel, where do they tend to tend to live uh, for that and why? And this is a weighted question. But it's also a really, really good question. Probably the most important question. Yeah. The most. I exclusively work in QuickBooks Online. So all of my answers are coming from the perspective of QuickBooks Online. I'm an advanced pro advisor for QuickBooks Online. And so although there is an inventory function in QuickBooks Online, it does have some limitations. But if a business owner falls within the realm of these limitations, they can absolutely use it. Right. And we had talked about the different complexities. It's the first one where yes, I buy the exactly. stuff and I sell the stuff. Exactly. So they are resellers. So resellers can use it because you it is really made for buying inventory and reselling inventory. It's not meant for any kind of manufacturing or any kind of assembly. It's not it doesn't have that capability. However, if you are reselling, you can resell individual items or you can bundle them. You can do that in QuickBooks Online and you can push the bundle levels to one channel. And notice I said one channel. You can't do more than one channel. So let's say, for instance, I am connecting my QuickBooks online inventory with Etsy or let's, let's, let's say Etsy, let's say Shopify. Then if I'm only connecting to Shopify, then it's going to push my inventory levels there just fine. But the problem is it gets confused if you try and connect in more than one channel. You can't do that. At that point, we really want to utilize an external inventory management system that we can then turn off inventory in QuickBooks. And by the way, in order to use the inventory function in QuickBooks, you do have to be using plus or advanced. You can't do it in Simple Start Essentials. So in, in QuickBooks Online, you would have to disable that. And then you would move your inventory items into external cloud-based inventory app, which there are many. And like you had also alluded that sometimes the marketplaces and platforms do have their own inventory management solution. They do. They're usually very limited. I, I wouldn't use something like that because then they limit you to only in that platform or in that marketplace. Right. So in my experience, it's better to be with a neutral um, inventory hub. And then that way you can just connect in the marketplaces right. and the platforms that you want. And you have one hub and it sends your levels to all of those platforms and all of those different platforms and marketplaces. They don't get confused. So you have right. one amount that is pushing to all those levels and then it's sending a valuation back. QuickBooks. So QuickBooks, it's super important in the process, but it's really just collecting all of your the value of that inventory. So it's right. decreasing when you're selling. So it's communicating the sales to QuickBooks that your inventory is decreasing. And then when you're making purchases with those inventory hubs, you're sending the purchase orders usually turn into bills and then they send that to QuickBooks. 
And then so then your inventory increases on the balance sheet with said POs. So that's so in QuickBooks, you're having a value that's always dynamic, increasing, decreasing, increasing, decreasing, but you're not managing those actual items in there. And I, my clients get confused with that all the time. Yeah. So that is, that's a great point. And since, as we're determining, like, where are we living for inventory management? The, there are a combination of workflows that go into the inventory management piece of that, that to your point, if you're managing all of that in Shopify, for example, and does it actually do purchase order? Can you submit a purchase order for inventory out of Shopify to your supplier? I don't know. Not in Shopify, but if you utilize uh, inventory management app in the Shopify app store, like Stocky, yes, you can. Mm. So, and then those yeah. just update your levels in Shopify. But then guess what? I have clients that come to me and say, oh, but then now I want to sell on Amazon. So we got to take the mm. inventory <laughs> out of that and then put it in a hub that can connect into both. So that's a little bit of an issue that I'm finding now that I'm getting so much more into the nitty gritty with all of this different stuff is you really need an inventory hub. And especially if you're manufacturing, you have to. So they really think that you can go platform to platform, but you need to have a hub. And then that goes to platforms, marketplace. It's really important to have that hub. Yeah, because because the, the apps and the, the solutions that are out there will just say, yeah, it'll send it to QuickBooks or you oh, know how to work exactly. this. And it's, the devil's always in the details. Yes, so, that's such an interesting um, thing you say because they always say it makes it such a snap. It sinks. <laughs> sinks with QuickBooks. Okay, <laughs> but you have to understand what you want sending to QuickBooks, yeah. not just sends it. <laughs> you have to know right. what you want to go there. Yeah, one, of my, one of my first clients in the e-commerce space was using a, an application called Ecom Dash. Never heard of it before, learned a lot about it. And of course it said, it syncs with QuickBooks, right? And it was really the main workflows that he was using it for was ordering and list publishing his listings on Shopify and Amazon, mm-hmm. right? So he could do listings in one place and then they could feed out into both places. And then it could then calculate his landed cost. And we'll talk a little bit about that uh, and that sort of thing. But the synchronization to QuickBooks was only for it would send a purchase order mm-hmm. over to over to QuickBooks without any items on. <laughs> so when you look at that, I was like, oh, "This is useless," because he's tracking his inventory over here. And then we were trying to use QuickBooks as a source of truth for his inventory management level. Yeah, because he was doing what you would just talk about with with the the I accounted for all of my purchases at time that I purchased it. I'm like, you got to get out of that. You got to be in a, you're wondering to know your perpetual inventory, but then you're accounting for it all when you purchase it. No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. You know, can't have cake and eat it too in when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to inventory tracking. Yeah. And you also, so if, we the, were, if the POs are coming over and you're managing your inventory in QuickBooks and you're using those product service items as inventory items. The purchase order has to have the items so you can add 
100 more widgets right. into your inventory. The difference would be if you have turned off that inventory function and your product service items are right. essentially service items only, it'll send the PO as a bill. And most of them now are quite sophisticated. And it'll still say, I'm purchasing one, two, three, four, five, six widgets. But it's a product service item that is not tied to an inventory value. It's just increasing inventory. That's all. They're, we're not, it's hard to explain, but all I'm going to say is we're just increasing the value of our inventory when we right. have a bill like that. It's that launching mean, the financial... into a whole other discussion about product service items and QuickBooks that we don't need to do. Because, but, but that is an important piece yeah, the... of it is really understanding product service items in QuickBooks. And man, right. there's a lot to know. <laughs> <laughs> You can't, well, and that's really the goal of what we're trying to drive home here is that you can't co-mingle or have, have this inventory management split across the, the different apps. You have one, one source of truth and that's the term and, and, you know, with your client conversations, understanding where that source of truth is going to be, right? So it's either going to be in the sales channel, but there are things you're eliminating out of the workflows of a QuickBooks yes. by doing so, right? And so if you're. If you live in QuickBooks and live, breathe and work in QuickBooks of all the things that you are going to be, the workflows that you're going to have your client or you, yourself viewing, and they're living somewhere else, then that's going to be a changing of your engagement, right? So either you're going to have to be familiar with that, or you're going to have to deal with the consequences of maybe not knowing what's going on with some of those things and just letting the chips fall where they may when that happens to come in or, or another, another way of communicating those things and getting that QuickBooks reality to match what happened in, in reality with, with a, with a, with a reseller. So we'll just use this example of a reseller where I buy stuff, I sell stuff and they're selling on multiple sales channels mm -hmm. by Amazon, Etsy. What I tend to, what I tend to recommend is yes, go ahead and manage all, manage the inventory levels in, in QuickBooks because you can do that. But then that now tells me that what bridge I'm using between the two, the sales channel, all the sales channels and QuickBooks, I would recommend like a Webgility, right? Because a Webgility allows for, that's one of the things I really like about the, that particular connector is that it does allow for the man, the, the decrement of QuickBooks, the SKU or the item in QuickBooks. And then it immediately goes back out and updates the inventory levels in the other channel. Oh, that's right? awesome. So, I didn't realize Webgility did that. So Webgility then acts as yeah. that hub that communicates to all the levels. Exactly. So it reads it and it goes, Okay, Amazon and Shopify yep. and blah, blah, blah. I now have five of those, not six. Exactly. Oh, that's really. So if you sell something on Amazon, Shopify ultimately knows about it. If you sell something on Shopify, Amazon knows so about it. So in that situation, it. you got... can manage in QuickBooks and then do your levels. Okay, right. so that's great. Right. But, they, and then and that way you're focusing in, in QuickBooks and you'll be able to manage the, the purchasing and the receiving yes. and the selling will come in because of the bridge. And then you're also managing the, it's allowing it to manage the, the inventory stock levels on those sales. Mm -hmm. But that is a delicate situation, right? So yeah. 
typically what happens is, and, and you could probably attest to the clients add more things, right? Yeah. They change their listing or they create custom items or something in uh, Shopify, for example, and now QuickBooks has uh, nothing about that. And so subsequently, neither does Amazon. And they then can potentially break all. What you, the rule is if I have a one place, it's got to be in the other place. Otherwise it will not communicate. So then they'll add a whole bunch of items in here and then they won't be added here and then they'll never come through with sales. So yeah, that's risky. And I don't love that. And I love <laughs> that when I'm training them, here's the one hub. New items go in here, period, end of story. Then they get pushed up to wherever. But they still have to be created on the platform side too. But yeah, it's it, there's just a lot of different moving parts. And then don't forget that situation with Webgility. That's only for resellers. So when, when it's appropriate right. for them to do their inventory. Exactly. So that leads me to my next comment of, okay, when it's not a reseller type of situation where it's, I buy stuff and I sell the same stuff and I just need to manage the levels, right? Then you're introducing, okay, I can't necessarily, and, and I've got multiple sales channels potentially. I need something else to manage my inventory and understanding that's where I'm going to be living for my inventory. And then those sales channels are going to be feeding into that. And then that's going to be what's talking to, what's talking to QuickBooks. So understanding where the work is going to lie in now three things or three or four things, right? You could be, basically be having three different applications, three or four different applications here. But what you, when you're looking at a, an inventory management cloud-based application, they're not all created equal either, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> The common ones and the ones that you're mostly familiar with, right? Are the Katanas of the world and the SOS inventories yep. and, yep. and the Sin 7 core, right? And those are yeah. the more common yeah. ones that I've heard of as well. There's a few others out there that I know. I've definitely talked to them at conferences. Katana, I really like. It's cloud-based. One of the reasons I really like it is because it's very cost-effective and it's also the interface is very simple to use and understand. The training is also quite simple, but something like that is perfect for manufacturers because it has just a really easy to understand interface. The connectivity is really great. It integrates with everything. It also integrates the shipping platforms such as ShipStation or Shippo. So that way when you have shipped items, it updates their inventory that way. I also have used SOS inventory, which is good. The interface is a little more difficult for me to understand, but I have used it before. I like it. Sin 7 Core, it was formerly Deer inventory. There, That's a really complex system to use, but it is amazing. And they also have all kinds of different integrations like with SPS, EDI for S, like SPS Commerce, EDI, which yeah. you need to, it's electronic data interchange, which you need for, to fulfill chain stores. They only accept orders through EDI. And so if you don't have that ability, then you can't do business with them. So Katana doesn't have anything like that, but the Sin7 Core does. So if you've got those needs, and not only that, Sin7 also has Omni, which is if you have a client that has even more enterprise level needs. So there are all kinds of different solutions out there and all of them have 
different kinds of integrations, different kinds of inventory costings, different kinds of fancy landed cost allocations. And But for simple manufacturers, for example, I just got a client the other day that manufactures clothing and like a, a specific sports clothing wear. And she buys fabric and she manufactures this clothing, this athletic clothing wear. And I don't know, maybe has 15 SKUs, but definitely manufactures. And so we need to keep track of that cost. And Katana is perfect for her because we have a pretty simple manufacturing operation, but we are able to see everything very clearly and simply. And she was able to pick it up in a day. So something like that is, is a really great thing to use because she's selling on one sales platform and wants to sell on more. So we have got, we set it up where she's getting all of her items loaded into Katana and we're plugging in Shopify, but then she wants to be able to sell on other platforms to come and scale up. So that's why another reason these hubs are really great is because they really help the clients do the correct thing from the beginning and then they can scale up very easily. So that's, that's another thing to, to consider in, right? If you're, when we had talked about the different components of you've got your sales channel, you've got some bridge between, between that sales channel and then ultimately your accounting source of truth, which would be in this case, your QuickBooks. The, if you are introducing an, a more robust inventory management piece, you also want to make sure that those, that inventory management component now takes the place of the bridge between the two, right? So if you're, if at first you were doing a, a Webgility type of thing where it, it just sits between the sales channels and QuickBooks as your source of truth, then now Webgility just goes by the wayside because you want to make sure that your inventory management component is the one that's doing the talking to the sales channels. Is that what you, you come across? Yes, definitely. And not only that, because I am quite involved in inventory and how these platforms work as a QuickBooks Pro Advisor, we've been listening to this for years now about advisory and that kind of thing. For me, my advisory really comes into this. And I know that there are some other e-commerce bookkeepers and accountants that really just want to record the, the transactions and that's really all they want to look at and they don't really want to get involved in the inventory. Maybe they don't know how, but there's definitely a community out there where we're all really supportive of each other, where we do get involved in that inventory and want to learn as much as we can and be advisors to our clients in this space. And being able to understand these differences with all these different platforms is really important. And as a bookkeeper and accountant, I can definitely increase my price point because this is a lot more intricate. So like you said, going from a platform like or a connector like Webgility into something like Katana or Sin7, where now, what if my client doesn't even understand how to use something like this now with my expertise and understanding how to navigate around Katana and with a, understanding how inventory works, I can get more involved with that with them and become even that much more of an advisor. So there is room <laughs> for pro advisors, people working in QuickBooks Online with clients that have inventory to get involved in this. And there's 
organization such as Woodard that's really supportive with that and very encouraging for us to get folks out of desktop into these cloud-based platforms. Yeah. And that brings up another thing, right? If your source of truth is desktop and you're using maybe an, an enterprise, how does that impact your your workflows in, in, in QuickBooks versus how do I get my data into those things? Because you could feasibly be doing your inventory management because that, that does allow for greater inventory management in when you're using like an enterprise platform or something like that. But have you found with the different inventory, cloud-based inventory application that their integrations with a Shopify is, would you be giving up something by going with, with Sin 7 Core, for example, or Katana that as far as giving, getting the integration from Shopify or Amazon, is it any better or worse? from one over the other? Um, do you understand my I question? I do. I don't <laughs> know that I'm qualified enough to answer that question. I have not had a problem with the integration. And by that, I just mean, let's say I make a change in the inventory platform and I say, oh, okay, I make a change I'm from 100 to 75 and then I look in Shopify and, and has that been updated? Yes, instantly. So I find that the connection quick as far as levels, but I don't know if you're asking me something else than that. As far as, because like I know what's going to happen from Shopify through Webgility into QuickBooks. I know how that integration is going to work. I can go into QuickBooks or, or WebGility settings and make sure that whatever happens over in Shopify sh shows up the way I expected it to in, in QuickBooks. If I'm now eliminating one of that middleman app in lieu of a, an inventory management app, because I have more robust inventory needs, and that's the one that's connecting to, to Shopify, would you, would, have you found that is that's okay, right? Like yeah, yeah. Particular connection connection is okay. Like you're not. Yeah. Oh I yes. Mean, these... Yes. Yeah. That. That. Now, the more fancy and pricey the app is, the better the accounting. The better the accounting settings you'll have, and so you can map to really anything. Some of them that are a little more low cost have very limited accounting, but they're working on, say, for instance, Katana. They're definitely working on that. They're increasing the accounting capability and GL accounts that you can choose from on the Katana side, but and adding some other things such as landed cost. With something like Sin7, which is formerly Deer, oh, the accounting functions in that are, are incredible. I actually went to the Deer implementation training in Denver, and they demoed that, and it was incredible. It was really... I can customize anything I want with the accounting. That's good. Yeah. Good to know. And so that's great to know. And I think, I think we'll come in for a landing on our landing cost <laughs> of, of our inventory discussion here. Now, some of the other things that we're going to be chatting about and, and things that we've alluded to is uh, fulfillment, right? That's, that is a, that is a, a definite concern of how do I get stuff now that I've got an order, how do I get stuff to and communicate that with the customer? So join us next week when we, when we discuss yet another co topic of uh, <laughs> the e-commerce fundamentals, uh, we appreciate you joining in this, 
this week and, and we'll see you next time on the Workshop Wednesday. We'll be right back.